Welcome back to Production Music Demystified with Media Tracks Music, a microcast of music works. Today we have the honour of welcoming our guest Marcel Pusey, musician and composer with ample experience in production music and director of multiple music companies. In this mini episode we will discuss what a portfolio career is, how to build one and the challenges around it. Before we move over to that, here is an advert from our sponsor. Music Works is sponsored by the Musicians' Union. I'm a member of the Musicians' Union. It's the trade union for musicians living and or working in the UK, and it's a community of 32,000 members working to protect musicians' rights and campaigning for a fairer industry, as well as campaigning to fix streaming and keep musicians working in the EU post-Brexit the union collectively bargains for musicians working in orchestras and theatres and sets minimum recommended rates for freelance musicians working in other sectors. Its expert staff provide contract advice, legal advice and assistance and a range of benefits and services to help musicians in every aspect of their work. Be part of something bigger and get the recognition you deserve. Join now at the MU.org. Welcome Marcel, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. So we are going to talk about portfolio careers today. And so let's start with, with hearing about yours. Will you tell us a bit about what you do? Yeah, I, um, I manage a number of companies or I'm a director of a couple of companies. Uh, one, uh, well, there's three. There's Basis Tree Music, which is the, the first business I set up, uh, which has, was for, I had a band, well, I had a band called Basis Tree. And I also uh, created a number of uh, education programs nearly 29 years ago with Basis Street Music. And then I got into technology as um, with a company called O Music, and uh, which creates uh, we we uh, created a, a music software. And I still manage that to this day. I'm a director in that company. And uh, yeah, an offshoot of that company is that we have another education platform called Call for School, um, which is uh, an, another on it's an online music program for uh, for kids. Uh, so I have a as many musicians do have a number of things that I juggle in regards to in terms of revenue stream, but production music, obviously from the bass history music side of things in terms of composition, that's, um, uh, that's how I, uh, how I got involved with uh, music production. So yeah, that, that I, with my band, uh, initially the first production music that I did was, um, that one of the albums was taken up by, a, a gentleman who who actually worked for uh, Audio Network, actually, and that's how I got involved with production music, really through him. I, I didn't really know much about it up up to that point, um, and then yeah, I, uh, some of that music was used uh, from that album was used within production music, and I got into it from there. So it was from your um, performing and composing for performance career that you that you were led into production music. Yeah, very much so. So what was interesting about that was, yeah, we were playing a show in, in Essex somewhere, actually. And the, the gentleman, he's quite well known within the music production world called uh, Terry Divine King. Um, and I think he was one of the original originators of Audio Network, actually. And we had trumpet. We had a in our on our album and then for that gig, we, we had a great trumpet player called um, uh, Duncan Mackay. And he bought the album and he loved the trumpet part. And obviously he immediately saw where that could be used. It was kind of funk music, trumpet. And so he invited myself and Cassell, the beat maker, who is a, a producer I work with, to come down to his place. 
which blew us away because this place was like this mansion in the countryside with these huge studios outside and we were like what is this we never heard of you but um and here you have all this and um and then he just told us what what it was all about and uh how the music was all used and you know where how he built his fortune (laughs) and so it was a world that I had no idea about and so he um he asked if he could take some tracks and work with them um and uh and work with us you know so that's what we did and so that's how I kind of started learning a bit more about how you can use your music in lots of different ways which really suited me because the sort of music I was writing was was quite quite niche um, Mm. music so you know for it to in terms of sales sales were never going to be something in which I was going to be making loads of money from the sort of music I was uh, I was uh, uh, writing so it made a lot of sense to to exploit it within this world of um, music production. And I would say the royalties I get from those tracks is probably after all these years from an album, which is that, yeah, you know, you know, I still get royalties from those tracks after all these years. And that's the beauty of music production. So what role then does that um, play within the sort of balance of your portfolio career that leads very neatly on to the main topic of this po- podcast, which is um, the role of production music within a portfolio career. Are you happy to talk about that within your own yeah, um, cool. portfolio? Yeah, of course. I mean, I would say I've probably dedicated more time to it now as, as my role as um, curator for the um, Media Tracks world. Um, I, I, because I, we compose for one of our programs, and the reason why I met William from uh, Media Tracks was that over the pandemic we we have our own library but it's a library which is actually um it's a license by education um so we were writing loads of music loads of world music for this um for this platform but that music's available to be able to be used out in a wider world so it it's actually it was no extra work for me to go and write for music production. And I had been working with another music production company. I won't even say who they are uh, before, um, uh, before I joined media tracks. Um, but it's, it makes perfect sense for someone like me, who's always composing music uh, for our own platform uh, to, to be working with media tracks because that's what I do. And it means that you're maximizing the use of your music to, to monetize it. I mean, it's quite, you know, it's quite, you know, they, we can make money from the, the licensing it via our platform. And then also the music being able to be used within the um, music production that, you know, that, that it works perfectly. Yeah. So it does. I'm just curious about how you feel about the phrase passive income, because this is something that comes up a lot in kind of general um portfolio career conversations a lot is how to create a passive income and there's often a feeling that there's a sort of myth that there's that there that passive income streams exist do you think that this is a passive income stream if you're if you are an already making the music anyway and it's just about repurposing it or is it um do you know it depends on the person or, or, or what your portfolio of work is okay so it is a passive income in the sense that um i'm not relying on it to make a living in music. Um, I'm I'm just exploiting every avenue as a writer to make sure that my music's used or has the uh, uh, chance to be used and it can be 
monetized in some sort of way. So that's how I look at it. And all the people that I know who are really successful with music production, um, so the, the company I was working with before, I will tell you who they are, that are actually, they're called Delhi Music. Um, and they, they've been doing it for years. You know, they've been in that game for years and they, it's not a passive income for them. <laughs> it's a serious, oh, no. it's a seriously, uh, you know, they've built up enough of a portfolio and that is uh, all the examples I've had of people I've worked with who, who are successful in this thing. They've constantly been writing and they've, they, though they compose and they get commissioned for work and everything else like that, they've built up enough of a portfolio that it's, it's a significantly good revenue stream for them. And that is a good example to me is that, you know, is to absolutely write as much as you can and uh, get it, you know, get it into the production library. You've got nothing to lose. So, yeah, that's how I look at it. It's like if I'm a composer in any genre, it's to look at how you can exploit your music. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was struck by the the um, the story you told about how you got into this being very much about somebody hearing the music you were creating and and taking the time to sort of explain to you how it would fit into the production music world and how that world works. I think that's something that, um, that's probably the question that I hear the most when I talk to composers. Sometimes I, I you know, as you know, we work with media tracks. I recommend um, often that people talk to media tracks about working with them. And the question, the first question is always, oh, is it a right fit for me? Is there a market for my music? How do, how do I know? Well, firstly, there's a market for all music <laughs> um it's good to know. obviously there's certain skills or, or should i say certain things that you learn when you're actually putting the music together to work within the medium that is visual and the tv or you know um so and but it is varied it is varied but um so i don't think there's a limitation if you happen to be doing i don't know grime or you're doing uh jazz this this these this music will be used in some sort of medium um so the important thing is to learn learn about how you adapt it so that it can be used within production music and that's not like a big leap um mm. so that and that's all i did is i i just learned um from people who were doing it um how you go about making it something that's got more potential to be used um but that, it, that you it, you really don't have to be limited by your genre, you know. If you, you depending on what you're kind of writing, there's a there's a place for it. You just have to watch TV or watch an ad and hear all the different styles of music which are used within that. Um, mm. Yeah, so you're right to say, Katie, to go and talk to production music and, and put your music forward and see see whether they think that there's a place where it could um, uh, could could um, it could could work and not only that i think also just from a compositional point of view i think it's a great thing a great skill to um to be able to explore composing in different genres you know it's um it's uh, that's what i've learned a lot uh, just listening to different i've just done a piano album and um yeah i've written piano for bands and stuff like that but then you hear it in the context as a there's a lady I, i know who's super successful called helen jane long and she used to be with audio network years ago but she's a composer in her own right um and you know her, does her own albums everything like that but just even listening to her piano her, her piano gets loads of placements and just listening to how she goes about doing her music and not saying i'm copying because i'm not but there are certain skills that she has and you start seeing all oh, right look they place that arpeggiate itself oh they're using that kind of underscore there 
you know i think you start learning those things as you you create your music so even when you create your music there'll be facets of your music that you break down and go do you know what that part of my my music's more likely to be used so i'm going to take that and i'm going to use that and i think it's it's those skills that you learn um yeah that's really interesting so like earlier in this uh, series of uh, microcasts we've done we've had conversations um with people about how to, uh, about the sort of mechanics of writing for mm. for sync but i mm. don't think we've had a conversation about how to think about the music that you've already written and in, in the context of adapting it for sync is there any more kind of principles you can offer about that yeah i mean look you know one thing i'd always say is is one when you're watching netflix or you're watching a program actually listen to what is going on you know listen to what melodies they use listen to the kind of groove listen to the underscore of what's going on that gives you a good idea already because that music's being used in my case i i think the the music which is the most successful usually has had a really strong melody line because um uh, for certain types of programs <laughs> um say something like um master chef or location, location, location. You hear those little grooves that they play in between when they're walking here. That's where my music, you know, and you can imagine there's MasterChef or location, location in New Zealand. And, you know, yeah, it's all over. Mm. So having a strong melody line can really work, uh, uh, you know. And and then the other thing is, is just, you know, the underscores where it's hardly anything going on, that's used all the time. Just the bed that sits there underneath. Um, so you know so like i say for me and it's been the strong melody lines of horn lines which have been used uh, uh, a lot and then obviously with the world music it's a uh, it's within programs which are requiring that kind of you know that, that, that kind of music and and crossover music works well as well so you can have a style of music but you put a hip-hop beat underneath it that can be work as well so yeah it's a real variety but i'd recommend you just start listening to what's out there and then within your own music go do you know what i fit there this this would work for me and yeah so the way up yeah that's that's the way i've learned is is really really picking up on stuff that i listen to uh um on tv and then obviously speaking to people quite experienced within that um uh area one of the guys i work with robert logan he does a lot of um I've done a couple of collaborations with him. He does a lot of documentaries and stuff. And, and it's really interesting um, from a compositional point of view, the textures that he can work with and how he creates those textures. And he obviously he's working with directors all the time um, and understanding, you know, you know, you can have some dialogue here. So you just need to, you, we just need to leave that space there so that the dialogue can go on. And you're literally, What's the word for it? You're 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 aware of how it could be used, and therefore you make sure that you make your music adhere to the possibility of it being used in a certain way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're 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 big learning uh, curves that that you know um, I've learned over the years is just those sort mm -hmm. of things. Yeah. So where would you start then if you're someone listening to this who has an existing portfolio career and wants to introduce production music as a strand to it, what would your first move be, would you say? Yeah, my first thing would be is to identify uh, a production company. So if you with media tracks, you know, it would be like you've got a, a load of music. Um, you, there, there's, we have something called MT Connect, um, which is somewhere where you can upload your music 
or get in touch with the company and say, look, I'm, I'm writing this sort of music and let us listen to it. And then you can get the guidance because, um, you know, we'll always respond to writers who come along and say, well, look, you know, that sounds really great that that, you know, these pieces really work really well. You may need to work on it this way, this way to make it uh, workable. Is that possible? And go from there, really. So, yeah, I, I think there's never been a time more in terms of the growth within this particular industry. You can imagine so many different platforms are requiring music. Um, it's become quite a competitive market now, but the fact is it's a growing market. It's one area of the music industry which actually is growing. Um, yeah. And you can, if, you, if you're diligent and you keep putting music, you, you can get a revenue from it. So, um, yeah, starting point is put, you, you know, put together your music, but make sure the music's... Um, at a certain standard, you know, it has to be at a certain standard because honestly, I I, I listen to quite a lot of music and honestly, if, if somebody comes through and I just think, oh, I'm literally listening to a demo with someone with some, you know, compared to say, I'll get what could be a demo, but the quality of the demo is already quite high, then you're already knowing that there's not a big leap for that composer to move on to to create at that a certain level, you know? And I think that's the thing is that don't just chuck everything, maybe take your best five tracks or something like that and then put, mm. don't just put loads because you will just, it, you, it just won't get listened to, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's just being smart about making sure you put your best music forward as a starting point. And you can go from there. You can start writing if, if, once you've got the attention of the curator. For me, I'm a curator. Once you've got our, our attention, it's like, OK, look, I can see where you're going with that. And then you get the, you know, you can go on to the next step. Yeah, absolutely. So do just approach without, except what I took from the first part of what you said was that you don't need to wait and learn everything there is to know about production music no. before making an approach but do consider your quality and don't put too much together so your sort of small amount of your best work it's really interesting you say that about demos i was just sent a demo earlier for the part of my business that's um agency related and someone wanting to um wanting some help with releasing it and it i did in this particular case i did really struggle to distinguish the quality of the music because the quality of the demo was quite poor mm -hmm. and i was i actually had this whole conversation with myself in my head about how to respond because i was i was like i don't i, I feel like this person hasn't done themselves any favors by sending yeah. um something that's low quality sort of like end product which makes it very difficult for me to see the quality of what's behind it yeah yeah. yeah 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 i think it's one of, especially now because you know you can you, you know the quality of work that comes through from people is is incredibly high so you know that's a it's it's already sending out a message if you haven't even got it to a certain level in which you're being able to identify whether oh is it is it good is it could i use it well you know is there potential then you're already you know you haven't presented in its best light um, and that's not to say it's got to be the finished thing, uh, finished article, because you know I don't think we expect that. But you do expect it to uh, to be at a certain level in which you you can, you know, you can sort of give that advice back and uh, see the potential in the music. Yeah. Mm. Always a tricky thing to find the balance between, especially in, in such a perfectionist-led industry, uh, <laughs> to find that balance, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah, um, it, it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's really useful advice. Thank you. Is there anything else you would like to share? Um, um, uh, not really. I, I, I think one thing I would say is that some of my colleagues, actually, you know, who've come more from the pop industry um, and maybe the traditional way in which you make 
a record. You get a record deal and you you uh, get your advance and then you get this and get... One of the, the hardest things is explaining to colleagues who are more from that industry about the difference between that and the music production industry. And also explaining the reasons why they should have a look at doing the music production industry. So, yeah, so I would always recommend if you if that's your it doesn't stop you pursuing your goal in terms of as an artist. You know, you may have an album that you're going to put out and stuff like that. It doesn't stop that. It's it's maybe looking at it like, okay, that's one road that I'm going down, but there's also a way in which I can use this music in other ways. And there's ways in which you can work that out, that you can do the same, do the both to exploit that music. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's a transition because I think some of the, uh, I've had many a conversation with the colleagues who are more from that that kind of background, trying to explain to them about it. And uh, and I totally understand why they, sometimes they find it a bit confusing, but yeah, the, then yeah, it doesn't stop you doing the things that you want to do within your musical life. Yeah, I think that's really interesting distinction, isn't it? I think there is a myth uh, that production music is actually completely different from music that's written for concert performance or mm. sort of commercial album release. And actually, sounds like what you're saying is that it is that the differences they are there, but they're actually quite um, minute. Oh, totally. We've got an album yeah. coming out, and I'm not. I've, I've the albums I've had out have been through independent labels. I'm putting this out via media tracks because I'm not worried about the sales in terms of the sales. I'm going to try and exploit the music for the music's point within production music. And then mm-hmm. within my recording stuff, people can still go and buy the, you know, the, the down, you know, buy it as a download or anything like that. But mm-hmm. my priority is not um, the traditional way of doing a record coming out because mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I've had more success with my albums through production music than I yeah. have with the label. That's the reality. So with my type of music. Um, so yeah, I would I would definitely say it's an option for recording artists to uh, look at production music in another way um, in terms of r- realizing, you know, there's, you don't have to not do your record release and also be able to do production music. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, to hear you compare the success of those two things, because actually, when we talk to our clients about record releases in the commercial sense, they are primarily for marketing purposes, really. Obviously, there is income to be made from streaming, but it is minimal. And it sounds as though not at all the same as what you're talking about if something gets picked up on the production music side. Or as you say, the the bulk of um, output creates a, um, yeah. a better income stream by the sound of it. It does, it does. And also it means that you're not sitting there re- relying on releasing albums every couple of years. The great thing about production music is that you're writing all the time. And there's yeah. something really cool about having no limitations on how much you write. Yeah. Um, you know, so I I just think it's uh, I just really I just really enjoy the the freedom of being able to write in different genres and plus having my band, which is that sort of genre, and I can do the shows and all that sort of mm. stuff. But it's um, yeah, it's it's a really you know it's a really enjoyable um, thing to get into with all the different composers you can work with or collaborate with and everything. Yeah, so yeah, fabulous. 
Uh, tell us about your upcoming album release. It's quite soon, isn't it? It is. It's um, so it's called Short Stories. Uh, we have we're just getting it mastered at the moment. It's a really real mixture of genres, which is which is what we did with the last album. What the hell do you call this? Was a real mixture. So it's from... <laughs> <laughs> what the hell do you call this? Yeah. Um, I love that attitude to naming an album. So oh. well, yeah. <laughs> well, we may as well get in there before the journalists go. What the hell is this? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, but it, that that did great. That album did in terms of uh, it was interesting that the 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 variety didn't put. I mean, there's a thread that goes through the way I write music anyway. But like this album's got uh, my first dance track on it. It's got sort of electronica dance music. It's got African grooves on it. A whole range of stuff. But the you know so and really amazing players. Um, I've got yeah uh, produced by a guy called Eric. Um, Cassell, the beat maker, who's the the drummer for the streets, and he he got an Ivan Novella for uh, Plan B's album, Strickland Banks. Um, so and all the players are just just the top top players. So it's been it's taken us a while to do, but really pleased with it. Really pleased, and uh, yeah, we're doing an album launch uh, November the twenty eighth at Pizza Express Live in Holborn. Uh, and it'll be great. It'll, it's, it's, it's coincides with uh, Media Track's 25th anniversary. So it will be a really great evening. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing um, these really valuable and interesting tips and insights with us. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you about this. And you too, Katie. Great. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.